once again to the Primitive Church Podcast. The party after gathering the resources to build the temple was a big one. But what they celebrated was not that they had the resources they needed, but they celebrated their ability to give back to God what they knew was already His. Lead teacher Randy Pope finishes the series Faith Walking with the last part of this message entitled Celebrating Our Faith Walk, which covers 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 1 through 22. Thank you for joining us today. Our Father in heaven, we, we bow now to say uh, we want to hear from you. We want your truth to prevail through what I say and, and through what we embrace. And we know that the truth, as you have said, sets us free. And some of us come today with a great need, all of us for freedom, but some of us feeling an unusual need to be released from anxiety and anger and fear, all kinds of things that grip our hearts. And so God, may this be a day that we might hear from you. Bless we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we're in uh, the very last week now of what's almost been two months of a, uh, an exploration of faith walking, particularly as we apply it to our stewardship of finances. Uh, we've been walking through the life of Israel. If you're new with us, we've watched Israel through its early days and its pilgrimage and their own journey of faith as they seek to develop and build what's called the kingdom of God, God's reign over his people. As we see it modeled in the Old Testament, the apostle Paul comes along in 1 Corinthians in the 10th chapter and he says, these events of the Israelites, they are for our example literally to teach us from their experience. We've been keying on last week an unusual experience in the life of Israel. It's, it's what we would call one of the significant milestones of the people of Israel. It was the building of the temple. And that was one of the largest undertakings in the history of mankind. And so what they were doing was not only to be done in a way that honors God, but a way that would bless the people. And so there's an unusual celebration that takes place where the king, King David, who is over what I'm going to call the, the effort to raise the money, his son Solomon would actually build the temple itself. But at the very end of all of their gifts that have been given, there's a celebration and so last week and this week, we're celebrating the gifts that we've been giving to what we call one of our significant milestones. Because every three or so years, we do a ministry and campus development project. And we cast the vision for the next years, we underwrite it with our gifts, and then we seek to do the work of God through those years. And so this is our number 12. It'll take us through 38 through 40 years. And so it's been a great time. I've had the privilege of being in unusual numbers, I think 40 different offerings where I shared the vision around Perimeter Church. And uh, everybody's had an opportunity, Lord willing, to come. If you haven't gotten it, uh, please go online to perimeter.org slash all in, and you can watch that uh, online. Uh, but last week, we culminated with a time where we brought our gifts, and we said anybody that couldn't do it last week that would not be prepared we would come and do it this week. 
And so we're using a text in the book of First Chronicles. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the 29th chapter, First Chronicles chapter 29. And here we're going to see the two causes. We looked at one last week. We'll look at one this week that uh, caused the people to celebrate in their giving and why they gave so much. So let me review very quickly with you that are here for the first time or missed last week. Let me, uh, let me give you a quick review. Your outline suggests number one, the temple construction was a worthy cause because the work was great. We read uh, First Chronicles uh, chapter 29, the first part of verse 1. It says, Then King David said to the entire assembly, My son Solomon, who alone God has chosen, is still young and inexperienced, and the work is great. And we keyed on those few words, the work is great. I suggested that the reason that the work was so great because the building of the temple was the dwelling place of God. It literally was. They'd had the tabernacle until now, and wherever they'd pull that tent up and they'd travel and they'd set it back up, and the Shekinah glory would be there in the Holy of Holies. Now the Holy of Holies would be established in a permanent residence called the temple. Now the reason that's so important is because in the Holy of Holies, among many other very important things, was what's called the Ark of the Covenant. And we walked through that last week in greater detail, but the Ark of the Covenant had a lid on it, and the lid was covered with gold. That was the place called the mercy seat. And once a year, uh, which was called the Day of Atonement, uh, we call it today Yom Kippur, on that one day, the high priest, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and would see the Shekinah glory present in that place. Now, in that ark among other things, was the Ten Commandments, the commandments of God that summarized the entire law of God. And the idea was this was called the mercy seat, and mercy seat literally referred to that which makes propitiation. Well, that idea of propitiation, a term we don't use very often today, but that term propitiation, it talks about uh, taking away the wrath of God by means of offering. And we get a great clue when we come to Romans 3 when it says, and Jesus is our propitiation. He covers us so that the wrath of God doesn't touch us. Why? Because of his mercy. But wait, wait, wait. We've broken the law. That's right. But the blood covers We are made righteous by the covering of his blood, means death, his death for us, covers our sin. The idea is that somebody has to pay for the sins that we commit. And we walked through that and explained that last last week. I shared the story of uh, the last two weeks of this taxi driver that I met in Dallas, Texas, two weeks ago. And how we got in this discussion about uh, uh, his belief in Islam and 
And uh, I had a staff member with us, and we, John and I were talking about with him the, the idea of, wait, 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 you know, what do you do about sin? And somebody's got to cover that sin. Somebody's got to pay for it and so forth and so on. And I told the story, the difference between Islam and Christianity. I got a text today or this week from one of our elders in the church. And I've got to read it to you. You'll find it to be very interesting. Here's what he says. I arrived in Dallas last night. Taxi driver was a Muslim guy. Ask him, ask him if Muhammad sinned and if God was just. He said yes. Ask him how the sinner could justify his sin. He said he's been thinking about that for several weeks said two guys rode with him and asked similar questions two weeks ago. <laughs> How good is that, huh? Then asked me what I thought. I answered, my answer was only by payment for our sins, for only a perfect God can be a perfect sacrifice. He agreed. Asked him if he knew of any sins Christ committed. He said no. Arrived at my destination. Thinks he, think he gets it. See what you started? Blessings. <laughs> That's pretty cool, isn't it? Uh, you never, never, never know, do you? And folks, let me tell you, when you share your story of faith and people might say, ah, I don't believe it, I don't agree, you never, never, never know, do you? Never know. Well, at that point last week, and I thought a very important, significant point is here, we're comparing last week and this week, we're comparing this great work of the building of the temple and our ministry and campus development project called All In. And how we would say, whoa, 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 you can't compare the two. And I use the analogy, the illustration of what Paul does in Ephesians 5 when he says, love your wife, husbands, even as Christ loved the church. And I suggested then, there's a Great comparison, but hold on. Like Christ loved the church? Oh, no, no, no. Not to the same degree. We will never do such, but in the same type. And I would suggest what Perimeter is doing here, it's a great work. Oh, not to the degree of building the house where God's dwelling would be, but the same type. And we went on to show the same type in terms of what, Paul, what uh, the author says in the next part of our text. So number two said, the temple was a worthy cause because it was for God, not man. And I won't go through the text, but the end of, of uh, 1 Chronicles 29, uh, it talks about and, uh, that it's not for, for God. David is saying, hey, here's the whole thing. It's not for God. I mean, it's for God. It's not for man. David wasn't doing this building of the temple because he thought, well, I'd like to have a temple. He said, I'm doing this because I think this is what honors God. The next verses in our text talked about David's offering and how he challenged the people to give. And the next verses talk about how the people gave after David had made his gift. And then there's this great rejoicing. And we made our gifts in a similar manner. It was a special week. And we all came forward and did so. And what a what a thrill. Carol and I sat here on the front row each service, and, and I'll tell you, just, uh, I just warm my heart to see these folks. I'd watch, and I'd say, Carol, look there. I bet this is their 11th of 12. 
faithful all these many years, be one of our old timers. Then I'd see young kids coming and making their offering and families coming and what a tremendous story. And so we celebrate even as the Israelites would celebrate and with right cause. And then the last thing I'll say, and I'll jump us into this week's very brief, but I say to you that are our guests, I understand that many that come as guests to churches, at least if they're unchurched guests, one of the reasons they haven't been in church is because they don't like the way the church deals with money. And my initial thought as we started these weeks was to say, I might just tell our people, don't bring your guests, don't bring your friends. And then I said, no, 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 no. How good for you guests to be able to see a church at the point when they are dealing with the things that perhaps you distrust the most and say, you watch and see how we do it. You look why we do it. You look how we do it. Help you get to know this church. Glad you're here. Now we turn in our text to the ninth verse. We're going to look, begin looking at the second reason that they celebrated, and it's because Israel celebrates because they passed an important test, verses 9 through 22. Now in verse 9, let's read it first. Verse 9 says, Then the people rejoiced because they had offered so willingly, for they made their offering to the Lord with a whole heart, and King David also rejoiced greatly. So uh, they're rejoicing as if you would think they had received money, but they're rejoicing in the fact that they had given money. Isn't that interesting? Uh, we talk about how excited. Somebody wins the lottery. Oh, they rejoice. They get excited. Look at all the money I've got now. What can I do with the money? Now the people here of Israel, they're rejoicing with David, not because they got something, but because they gave something. They know what's going to happen because of their gifts. They're so excited. They rejoice. But it's more than that. They're rejoicing over something that's happened in their hearts. And so what we find in the next verses, 10 through 16, is David blessing the Lord. He blesses the Lord. He's going to spend time talking about, God, the grandeur of who you are. Next thing he's going to do, he's going to say, God, your incredible ownership of everything. He's going to talk about the idea that literally everything is provided by him. And he is just literally making a prayer before the congregation. We're going to do that in just a minute. I want to say a word before I read the text to give you the bigger picture. I happen to be in our journey group our discipleship meeting this last Monday night. And we're in a, a three-week series. The church is doing this together in, in journey groups. And in our journey curriculum, as we call it, we're talking uh, three weeks about knowing God. We do that every year, three weeks, knowing God. We look at some aspect of the character, the nature, the life of God. And so we're getting into it with the guys. And, and I, said, I said, guys, let me just ask you a question. We started talking about the idea of addressing this subject matter. And we're talking about the triunity of God. God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, you know, this is so hard for me to get. One of the new Christians, this is hard for me to get. You know, this idea of 
you know, three and one, and it's so challenging, and I can't get my, I can't get my mind around it, and so forth and so on. And, and so we paused for a moment. And I said, I want to give you just a little insight here. You realize that the truth is what sets people free. Do you realize that people today who are Christians really don't understand that incredible reality? You know what we as a people do, even as a Christian people? We live on our feelings. What are our emotions telling us? We see a man or a woman and we're single and we're interested in, in a relationship and something stirs and whatever feels we follow and we do it. That's the way we're just, that's the way we are. Our feelings dictate almost everything. I use the illustration, this is not new to me. Many of you have heard me, I've used it before. And the idea of the little girl who's in the, is in the cabin and uh, or, or the woman, I should say, who's in the cabin and she looks in the door and there is a big grizzly bear on hind feet just rearing up and coming toward her. There's no out except the door which is behind the bear and the window that's behind the woman. Uh, the building happens to be two stories and she's in the top story and she realizes my only escape is out that window and she raises that window and she jumps and breaks her legs and has incredible, but she's got to get out of the way of that bear. She knows what's going to happen. That bear is going to kill her. The second scenario is of a little girl and a little girl looks up and sees a big grizzly bear and sees that grizzly bear and says, ooh, look at the big teddy bear. And she runs toward the bear to hug the bear. Now, well, it's the same scenario, but two totally different approaches to dealing with the reality that exists. What's the difference? It's your beliefs. Your beliefs impact the way you feel, which normally drives the way we act. Only the mature get to the point that they can know the truth and override their feelings. But the ability to know the truth about God is what truly changes us. You know, the church today, the modern church today, for the most part, the interest is not to build a great church. It's to build a big audience. You want to build a big audience, you don't talk much about God. You talk about you and me. And we talk about how we do things better and how we can use the Bible and do this and don't do this and do this and don't do this and do this and don't do this. Little do we understand, we're often feeding the concept of running to the bear. What we need to do is know the truth. We get to know the truth about God. We get to know the truth about ourselves. We get to know the truth about the world. And you spend enough time in the teaching of God's word and the studying of God's word and you begin to embrace the truths, the greater truths of who he is and we are in the world in which we live and something happens and we know when to run away from the bear and when to run to the bear. And folks, for many of us here, we need to focus on the very depth of who God is. And that's exactly what David is going to do in his prayer. And so I want to read the prayer to you. It goes like this. The first part of it, the first is, 
for his grandeur in all things. He's going to pray first of all for his grandeur in all things. Verses 10 and 11 reads like this. So David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly. And David said, blessed are you, O Lord God of Israel, our father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty, indeed everything that is in heaven and the earth. Yours is the dominion, O Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. Let me tell you, folks, if you and I embraced what David says right there, and we said, I really believe that, the lordship of Christ would prevail in our hearts in an unusual way. If we really believe that. Next, he talks about his ownership of all things. Verses 12 and 13. See if we believe this. Both riches and honor come from you. You rule over all. And in your hand is power and might. And it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Before I read verse 13. How many of us think it's really in our power, in our hand, to make us great? I'll do it my way. I want a great marriage. I'll marry who I want to marry. I want to be happy. I'll do what I think I need to do to make me happy, as opposed to what we're reading right here. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. And then we see number three, his provision of all things. Verses 14 through 16. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? For all things come from you and from your hand we have given to you. But we are sojourners before you and tenants. Oh, if we only believe that. As all our fathers were, our days on the earth are like a shadow and there is no hope. Oh, Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided to build you a house for your holy name, it is from your hand, and all is yours. That's one of the greatest prayers that will ever be prayed. I'm going to invite us to do this. I'm going to invite us to actually pray the prayer. Maybe I'll add verse 17. Let's add verse 17. He says, since I know, my God, that you try the heart and delight in uprightness, I, in the integrity of my heart, have willingly offered all these things so now with joy, I have seen your people who are present here make their offerings willingly to you. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And we're going to bless the Lord together. And even as they did, we're going to end our time basically by, by just doing this. We're going to bless our God for what he's done. We've had the privilege to give. We rejoice. Let's bow and let's bless him now. Blessed are you, O Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, Lord, yours is the greatness, and yours is the power, and yours is the glory and the victory and the majesty. In fact, everything that's in the heavens and on earth, yours is the dominion, O Lord. And you rightly exalt yourself as head over all.
we honor you for being the great God that you are and that we worship. We are privileged among all peoples of this world to know the good news of your gospel. And we know that it's because you're this kind of a God. We thank you. We bless you. We know that both riches and honor come from you, God. And you rule over all. And in your hand is the power and might. It lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. And now, therefore, God, we thank you and we praise your glorious name. You truly own it all. And we're glad we don't own it. We're thankful that you do. And now, Lord, lastly, we'd ask, who are we that we should be able to offer as generously as we've been able to do? For all things come from you. And from your hand, we have given you. God, we do believe that what we've given to you, you've given to us. And we're able to do it by the grace that's touched our hearts. Father, we are just sojourners. And we're tenants here on this earth. Remind us of that. And Father, our days on this earth are as like a shadow. And there is no hope outside of you. We believe that. And so, O oh Lord our God, for all this abundance that we have provided to accomplish this 12th ministry and campus development project, it is from your hand, and it is now yours as well. And since now, Lord, our God, that you're the one that tries the heart and delights in uprightness, we in the integrity of our hearts have willingly offered all these things. And so now with joy, we've seen your people who are present here make these offerings willingly to you. And so to you, God, be all the glory and all the honor for what you've done among us. We rejoice more in what we've given than what we have been given. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take a seat. Last verse reads like this. Verses 18 through 21. O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers preserve this forever in the intentions of the heart of your people and direct their hearts to you. And give to my son Solomon a perfect heart to keep your commandments, your testimonies, and your statutes, and to do them all, and to build the temple for which I have made provision. Then David said to all the assembly, Now bless the Lord your God. And all the assembly blessed the Lord, the God of their fathers, and bowed low and did homage to the Lord and to the king. On the next day, when they made sacrifices, they made sacrifices to the Lord and offered burnt offerings to the Lord, a thousand bulls, a thousand rams, a thousand lambs, with the drink offerings and sacrifices and abundance for all Israel. You know what he's basically saying is this, Lord, don't let this stop. He prays, he said, God, don't let this stop now. Let it keep going to the next generation, the next generation, the next generation. Let them always know what we've done is to be done. The last verse so they ate and drank that day before the Lord with a great gladness. Solomon again made king, and they, uh, and they made Solomon the son of David king a second time. They anointed him as ruler for the Lord and Zadok as priest. And that ends the text. You know what I've seen as we close here? I've seen uh, 
I've seen a lot of people here pass the test. You know, that's really what they're saying. Lord, we praise you that we passed the test. We started six weeks prior to this, and we've walked through this faith walk. You've been challenged. You've prayed. Uh, some of you have fasted. Uh, we've come before the Lord. We've made offerings. Some of you will make your offering today, as you weren't able to do so last week, but we make our offerings, and we bring all of this to conclusion. I hope that you have a sense in your heart that you passed the test. That's what that's what David is praying here. We praise you because we passed the test and we didn't do it because of our own ability. We did it because of your goodness and your grace. Carol and I went away for our celebrate uh, for three days this last week, our upcoming anniversary. And it was the only time we could get away for a few days and a little early, but we, we had three great days. On a couple of occasions, Carol said to me, Randy, are you not going to call and see how much money has been gifted to the church and what the number is? You've been working on this every day and every night for months. And I say, Carol, you know what? I have no interest to call. I don't really care in certain respects. I can tell you this. I've never had a thought in my mind for these three days. I wonder how much money. Because I can tell you this, my great desire is not to see us accomplish what we're going to accomplish. It's important. That's kingdom. That's important. But I tell you, the great work is in our hearts. And I said that day one, I'm going to conclude with it. That's where the great work is. When we say the work is great, yes, the work that the temple, that was a great work. But the great work was in the lives of the Israelites. Is it a great work that we're doing here over the next three years? Absolutely. It's going to change thousands upon thousands upon thousands of lives. Kids are going to be impacted like never before. More people are going to worship our God. I mean, you couldn't be more excited except for what's happening in the hearts of each of you. And what's happened in the heart of Carol and me as we walk through the process ourselves. And my prayer is that every one of you, I pray that every one of you, if you've not taken the journey, you take it. You begin to faith walk. I told Carol, I said, Carol, if we fell short by millions of dollars, but we saw hundreds and hundreds of people who've never faith walked in their finances began to do it, even though it be a little bit and a start, I'm going to call that the greatest victory of all. We're going to announce the number next week, but that's not the exciting thing. The exciting thing is only what you know that's happened in your heart. And my prayer is that this has been the best of six, seven weeks that you've spent. Hard, but good. That's my prayer. And remember this, as David said, when you do pass the test, he gets all the glory. If you haven't been able to pass the test, you just got to go to Jesus and go to the cross and see his love. See what he's done for you. It'll break your heart. And where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Begin to put your treasure in the right place. Good things happen. I say a word to you that for whatever reason, a member of this church, and you say you're not participating. I guess I'm getting old enough now that I don't mind saying stuff like this, but it really, I'm not here to build an audience. I'm here to build a church. 
And I'd say this, if you're not participating because you just don't feel this is a place you should be giving your money, I beg you, you find a church where you can give them your money. Carol shared with me, she said, Randy, if there's one thing I think you missed over this entire teaching series, you didn't help them understand the priority of the church. I said, yeah, I didn't touch it. I, I guess I didn't. But I'll say this, if you say, ah, I'm not giving my money here. I'm giving my money only elsewhere. You found a church that you can say, I'm giving my money to the church and elsewhere. Uh, we don't mind giving it beyond. But make sure you can give to your church. I'd say to our members, you took a covenant to support the worship and work of the church. Let's do it well. My hope is for you that have never been on the faith journey, that you get on it soon. Well, that is not the end of all in, but uh, all in's going to go for three years. But the series on all in is now all over, and I'm glad. <laughs> Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for these weeks, and we pray that it would be an amazing journey that uh, will never end, uh, just the beginning of a journey, that our faith would grow deeper and deeper and deeper, and even because of where our treasure is, our hearts are going to be found to follow. And Lord, would you uh, grant us now the ability to celebrate in our hearts, for a great work has been done, and we thank you for that. We thank you for our Savior, Jesus. We thank you that it's only in him that we have the ability to even be obedient, to know you, and to love you. We pray for our friends here that have never seen the love that you've offered on Calvary's cross and that they might be driven to see it, to fall in love with you, and to become followers as well. Grant that for each of us as, uh, as your followers already, just to see your love more and more and to know the grandeur of who you are, your ownership of all things, and the things we've already talked about. So we're grateful. And we pray in the great name of Christ our Savior. Amen. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information, to give us your feedback, and find other messages from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day.